Part One, Chapter Nine of A Lost Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Lost Lady by Willa Siebert Cather. Part One, Chapter Nine. After three weeks, the captain was up and around again. He dragged his left foot, and his left arm was uncertain. Though he recovered his speech, it was thick and clouded. Some words he could not pronounce distinctly. Slid over them, dropped out a syllable. Therefore, he avoided talking even more than was his habit. The doctor said that unless another brain lesion occurred, he might get on comfortably for some years yet. In August... Neil was to go to Boston to begin coaching for his entrance examinations at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where he meant to study architecture. He put off bidding the foresters goodbye until the very day before he left. His last call was different from any he had ever made there before. Already they began to treat him like a young man. He sat rather stiffly in that parlor, where he had been so much at home. The captain was in his big chair in the bay window, in the full glow of the afternoon sun, saying little, but very friendly. Mrs. Forrester, on the sofa, in the shadowy corner of the room, talked about Neil's plans and his journey. "'Is it true that Mary is going to marry Fuselik this fall?' he asked her. Who will you get to help you? No one for the present. Ben will do all I can't do. Never mind us. We will pass a quiet winter like an old country couple, as we are, she said lightly. Neil knew that she faced the winter with terror, but he had never seen her more in command of herself or more the mistress of her own house than now, when she was preparing to become the servant of it. He had the feeling which he never used to have, that her lightness cost her something. Don't forget us, but don't mope. Make lots of new friends. You'll never be twenty again. Take a chorus girl out to supper, a pretty one, mind. Don't bother about your allowance. If you got into a scrape, we could manage a little check to help you out. Couldn't we, Mr. Forrester? The captain puffed and looked amused. I think we could, Neil. I think so. Don't get up, my boy. You must stay to dinner. Neil said he couldn't. He hadn't finished packing, and he was leaving on the morning train. Then we must have a little something before you go. Captain Forrester rose heavily with the aid of his cane and went into the dining room. He brought back the decanter and filled three glasses with ceremony. Lifting his glass, he paused, as always, and blinked. Happy days! Happy days! echoed Mrs. Forrester, with her loveliest smile, and every success to Neil. Both the captain and his wife came to the door with him, and stood there on the porch together, where he had so often seen them stand to speed the parting guest. He went down the hill, touched and happy. As he passed over the bridge, his spirits suddenly fell. Would that chilling doubt 
always lie in wait for him down there in the mud where he had thrown his roses one morning he burned to ask her one question to get the truth out of her and set his mind at rest what did she do with all her exquisiteness when she was with a man like ellinger where did she put it away and having put it away how could she recover herself and give one give even him the sense of tempered steel a blade that could fence with any one and never break and to part one chapter nine recording by john brandon